Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we just give you praise and thanksgiving for the blessings that you've given to us. And we are so grateful for how you've cared for us so much. We thank you for this great country. We thank you for those who watch over it and care for it. And then, Heavenly Father, I pray, Father, too, for our congregation, for those who are going through struggles in their lives, those going through sickness. We think of Lucille and Kay and their health conditions. Continue to bless them. Be with joy so also, too, Lord, and lift her up. We pray also, too, for our friend Dale, who's taking his mother-in-law with Alzheimer's into their home and give them strength and the, uh, and the ability to minister to her needs. We pray also, too, for a gal in our church who's had uh, surgery this week. We just pray for her healing. I pray also, too, Father God, for Dorothy's family as Dorothy Guy went home to be with the Lord yesterday. Lord, we're just so grateful for her joy and looking forward to that, Lord. But be with her family as they grieve as such a wonderful person and matriarch into their family. I pray also, too, for Nick and they resolve the issue with his health. We just pray that their diagnosis is correct and that, Lord, you'll bring healing to his body. I pray for Daniel Gum as he's found out with his cancer. We just pray for healing for him and for Samantha. Mama, who is also battling cancer. I pray for these two, Lord, and for their healing. I pray also, too, for my brother John, who's been on chemo for a long time. We pray for his healing and strength, Lord, give him the victory. And we pray, Lord, for others that we know that are battling. Some are going through marital difficulties. Others are having trouble with their teens. Others are having with their adult children, Lord. I just pray, Lord, you give wisdom and strength and power as these folks deal with these situations and love their children and love their families and spouses and that healing can come to brokenness Jesus and now Lord thank you for this time that we can share together in Jesus name Amen gone and the sound of the song that we sang slowly faded away simple joys that we knew when we walked close with you hand in hand in the cool of the day are just memories or are We hold to the hope that the music will come back again. Bring back the glory. Won't you show us what life is for? Bring back the glory. Make us open once more bring back the music the trust the wonder that's just like a child who has never known pain bring back the glory the glory 
parents would get their errands done and that we could finally get our ice cream payoff and be intolerant and waiting for mom and dad to get their stuff done. Today, James is speaking to this very thing, for us. it's a very much an important thing, especially as us Christians, for maturity. James speaks about it. The Word of God says that patience is truly a valuable item, but especially it shows your maturity in Jesus Christ. How many of us have waited <clears throat> for a report to get done only to be put off even further and our pressure, our blood pressure rises? Or to wait for a doctor to call us and to tell us about a report that's been run. And we wait and wait and wait. And finally we call the doctor's office and they say, oh, we got that in report yesterday and you're fine. Uh, that does much for my patience. But today James speaks to us. And he talks about how it affects relationships. A relationship with God, a relationship with each other, with our families and our friends. And we know that there are many things that call for our patience. Think about it. That you are on hold, they say, each year at least 13 hours if you call for customer service. That there's times that you sit in traffic. Sandy and I were trying to get back from New York and on our way to LaGuardia Airport, the Mets had a baseball game. And guess what was right next to the airport that we were going to? The Mets ballpark and how long it took us to get across the George Washington Bridge for everybody was trying to get to the Met game or to the airport. And it tried a little bit of our patience. How many of us have been stuck up on K-96 when they've been working on this for years now? Christianity, as James puts it, is practical Christianity. How do we put it into practice every day? And that's what James speaks about. And today, he speaks to us about patience. Patience is the challenge. He says, therefore, and it's a connection with wealth, too. How many of us have had to be patient in these last days when we've seen 401ks or 403bs dropping, waiting for it to come back again, or being patient when somebody cuts us off and then they drive slower than the speed limit? James exhorts us today. And he says to us, and he begins really the book about patience. There are times that God tries us. He tries our patience because he wants to grow us into maturity. Look at what the Bible says in James chapter 1. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Trials are the way in which God helps us in patience. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, which is patience. Makrothume is the word which means long-suffering. And let endurance have its perfect result. What's that perfect? That you may be perfect and complete. And what he's talking about is that we're not sinless. What he's talking about, the perfect and completeness, is that our maturity in Christ to rest in his faith in him, that he's going to do things that we need and trust him as we wait on the Lord so that we're lacking nothing. Now, James gives an exhortation that we're to be patient. Then he's going to give us examples of patience. And then he's also going to help us examine our lives. Because we are to need to have developed this thing inside of us that endures pressure. That endures, learns how to bear under heavy weights. Because as these people James was speaking to were under heavy weights. 
They were being dragged out of their homes. They had relatives being killed. They were losing their livelihood. And they're saying, God, what's up? We're being faithful. And the Bible here says those tests and those various trials for you. So you will develop this patient strength that will carry you through all of life and that you can handle. Patience is the exactness of a mature believer. And it's necessary for us. And the trials come, as we know, in order to make us stronger and to be able to trust in God better. That's why God sends them. Temptations are sent by the devil. And they're there in the word. The same word is used. And God uses Satan really as his lapdog, said Luther, in order to test us. So that when we're tempted, we don't say that we need this other thing to fill our lives. But we still trust in God. And we're patiently waiting for him to fill us and not this temptation. And so here the word of God speaks to us and says, develop this maturity. That you're lacking in nothing. And stand strong in the trials. And to understand this, that you can rejoice in it. Even when you're going under such pressure to know that God is working in your life. And that he's by your side and he's going to give you and develop you to make you stronger as you go through things. And that patience has its perfect work in you. Now how does James do this? He comes to us on chapter 5, which is our text for today. And he says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Now the word therefore connects us with what we talked about last week, which was wealth, money. And that we're to even be patient, knowing that maybe we don't have what we want to have. And that we don't have, but what we do have, we are to be patient and show the strength that we're willing to wait on the Lord for what he's doing in our lives. And James here speaks to us and says, now make the connection. Be patient in every aspect of your life. And know that it affects every aspect of your life, the patience. And without it, you're going to struggle all your life and be frustrated and tired and have a heart attack if you do not stress the patience of the Lord. That we can endure hardships as we go through them. And that we don't have to fear them, but we can step up and face them in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we can develop this long suffering to be able to endure big question is asked of us, how can we as Christians experience that kind of patience and endurance as we wait for the Lord to return? See, James is already giving us the picture of the future and that all this is going to be done away with and we can have a peace knowing that the Lord is dear. But in the meantime, he is present with us now. And as we walk through this life, he's the judge. And he is also hearing and watching us as we go through. And James then brings this idea of the farmer. He says, look what the farmer does. He basically puts the seed in the ground, cultivates it, and then waits for God to bring the water 
for God to bring the sun and to bring it out of the ground. These people are struggling because they know this is a long-term process. I'll never forget the one time I was trying to teach my little son how to grow a little uh, garden on the side of our house. And one day we planted all these plants. Got them all in and I said, now you just watch them and God is gonna give us some growth. We watered them every day. And one day he came to me in the garage and he said, Daddy, look, it's still not growing. He pulled it out of the ground. <laughs> he was learning patience to begin with. And you see, this is what God is saying here. How much does the person who's the farmer put in the ground? I was reading about farmers, and it's interesting that a farmer, uh, they did this at the agricultural school in Iowa, that what is put into the ground of one acre of ground, four million pounds of water, 6,800 pounds of oxygen, which he doesn't bring, he needs the water, 4,200 pounds of carbon, then 160 pounds of nitrogen, 120 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur. And out of all that that the farmer does, well, he only does about 5% of it. God does the rest of it. And you see, this is what James is saying is all that work. We need to trust God as we go through these things and to be able to let it go. I know sometimes we get into a situation and it's hard to let things go. I know when I was, I've had situations where I, I, I had a test done and was waiting on the Lord. Just leaving it in his hands. That's the hardest thing to do. We want to know now. We want to be in control of it. We want to interfere with it. And yet the Bible here says to us, Dave, look at the farmer here. He only does 5% of the growth of that acre that he's planted. He's only thrown a few things in the ground. He's got to wait on God who brings the great majority of what it needs to grow, which is the water and the sun and provides the soil. And James is saying to us, folks, sit and wait on the Lord. This is hard for us to do, but to actually put it over into his hands and really rest on what he's doing. James says, this is the kind of patient we need. It's not only the kind of patience we need in our circumstances, but he's saying to us, we need this kind of patience with people. Patience with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Patience with our not so great people around our lives. He says, and you've got to continue to focus on the Lord and his doing in your life with that person that he's brought into your life. There are people that are brought into our lives that are just pains in the neck, who really sometimes are there and we feel like they're there to make us miserable. They do the same things to hurt, or they ignore us, or they put us down. James says here, be patient. Wait for the Lord's coming. It may take years it may take decades. I remember talking to a friend of mine whose spouse for years was difficult to deal with. For years she continued to push away the God that he loved. 
for years. And then finally, finally, years later, she came around and opened her life up. But it took years. How many of you have gone through or going through situations like that? And how hard it is to continue to give it over to the Lord. And you get frustrated and just don't even want to think about it. James is saying to us, this patient is grounded. And this is theology. Your theology is being made on the dark side of life. And it's being built. That patience is being developed as you continue to throw that situation to him and leave it in his hands rather than trying to do things yourself. How many times do you find yourself frustrated over a situation. How do you do with your patience? The Bible says be still. And wait patiently for the Lord. That is so hard to release. And yet that's the key for us. Is releasing to the Lord. Now we have the regular everyday annoying things that happen. Think about the long lines at the grocery store. You're standing there and waiting. And you have a person there up there that has got a lot of vitamins and then they finally decide to take their checkbook out and start writing after it's all been, rather than being ready to go or pull out their credit card and being ready to go. No, they wait till it's all counted up and then they slowly bring it out. Think about the person who pulls in front of you and you had to put on your brakes to stop for them as they pulled out in front of you. And then they decide not to go the speed limit, but go slower. How do you do with that situation? How do you do when your children don't want to do what you want them to do? Adult children, we have a problem with this. Or think about when you go for the fast food and you get stuck in the line at McDonald's for more than 10 minutes. Not such fast food. Or waiting in the doctor's office for your appointment that was supposed to start 35 minutes beforehand. But God puts those all into our lives for purpose, to challenge us and to test us and to wait on him and to trust him. And we need to be sure that we can, by faith, take what we have and hand it over to him, release it from our mind, and truly trust him with it. And realize that there's an expectation that God is working on that, even though we may not see it. He may be working on you or for me because he's stressing us to trust him even when it's not going our way. And that's the second thing he talks to us. Not only are we to expect him to work in our situation, but also, too, to wait patiently, graciously, waiting on him when you're tired, when you're scared, you're angry. Sometimes it's easy to just complain. James says to us, don't complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. He said, the Lord is watching all this. He's behind you. And it's very easy to complain about other people. 
It's very easy to complain about God that he's not doing enough for us. It's easy to complain and say, well, that person has more money or that person has a better marriage or that person has greater, better children. All of those things we can complain about. And it begins with our hearts, our spirit, our attitude not right and not trusting God with what he's given to us. And then it's easy to become selfish and say foolish things and get upset. And what's behind it? Have you ever looked at when you lose your temper? And you begin to complain to God. What is it inside that's bothering you? That's hooking you into complaining and being negative about God or negative about other people? It makes you even maybe try to say a joke about it. It's easy to be a fault finder. And become critical of other people. Because things are not going our way. And it shows our lack of trust in the Lord. But then when we lease it to God. We don't become complainers, but we look for what God is doing for us in our lives and how he's helping us. We can grumble oftentimes because we don't understand why God is doing what he's doing inside of us. There are times we can uh, be upset with other situations and put it on another situation so we can complain about that. And it makes us feel good inside. It doesn't change the situation. And the tragedy of it, which grumblers do, is that when you grumble, when you complain, you begin to take the framework of the foundation of the life that God has given to you and you break it down. And you wind up destroying it. I've seen churches destroy pastors because of their grumbling and complaining with each other and just continue to work at it. I've seen husbands do that to their wives and they grumble and complain and try to pull the, the, basically the land that they're standing out underneath them or wives do the same thing with husbands and it destroys their relationship. The unity that they were supposed to have together instead they're working against each other and breaking the foundation down and breaking it apart. And then a lot of that is sometimes it's ego. Sometimes it's our selfishness. Sometimes it's our wanting to be in power and in control. And the best way to do that is to undergrade or undermine somebody's foundation. See, this is what grumbling does. And that's why James says, don't complain. Don't battle against each other. Build each other up. Don't grumble and moan. Bear up under one another, he says. What hurts What's the hurt inside you that's making you feel like you've got to complain and destroy that foundation of that partner or that friend or that situation? Is there something inside of you that is causing that to happen? What is causing you to murmur? You see, the sickles that were given to break the harvest sometimes use those sickles to hammer on each other. And we wonder why people don't want to give themselves to Christ or be part of a church because they've grumbled. They grumble against their fellow believers. Grumble against the church. Paul, I mean, James is saying to us, don't complain. Don't give in to that. Don't complain against God. A lot of people give up on God because he hasn't come through with them or, or something happened that, that they don't want to forgive him about. And so God has done it. Look at what happens. It's so easy to fall into it. Think of the Red Sea when the Israelites went through the Red Sea. 
God delivers them from the Egyptians. They get over on the other side. Here, they even their shoe leather was not wet because it was dry. God had prepared for them and prepared them so well. And they get on the other side to the desert of Shur. And immediately, they start rumbling against the Lord because they didn't have enough water. And the water was brackish, they said. It was, it was bitter to drink. And they got upset with the Lord, and the Lord had to punish them. It's all because they were ungrateful for what God had done. And James says to us, don't give yourself over to complaining against God. Don't give yourself over to complaining about others. Because when you're complaining about God, you lose your faith. You lose your trust in him and the strength that he gives you. You complain about others, you're going to lose that relationship and hurt it. And what we need to do is, the Bible is showing us here, that our focus needs to be on the Lord. Who's standing right at the door for us. That our focus is not on our situation, otherwise we're going to be angry. If we focus on ourselves, we're going to be filled with self-pity. And doing the self-pity party. If we blame with God, we're just going to go complain. God doesn't want us to miss this opportunity to grow in our faith by being patient. It's so easy to bail on God when we're not getting what we want. And it's easy to say things that we don't mean just to appease people and to hear and show off our faith. But here James is saying to us, give up the Rest in God's assurance that he's in control and he knows what you need for your life. And what you need to do to take care of yourself. And in Mexico, they have these hot springs and cold springs right next to each other. And the people will bring their clothing. And one of the persons said to the, the guide, they said, isn't it great that these people enjoy the, the, what they've got with these hot water and cold water? And they said, yeah, but they still complain. They don't complain that they got to bring their soap to clean the, the, the clothing. Isn't that so true? How easy it is to forget how God's provided for us and complain more than what we have and enjoy what we have and be thankful for. That's the key, is for us to be so grateful for what God has given to us, that we can trust him and be patient when we don't get what we want because we know he, and this is a theological problem, when we trust God and believe that he has our best and he's allowing these things in our life for our growth and our journey, that we can release them and know that God's got our best for us. That all things work together for the good as we trust him. Paul said to do everything without complaining and arguing so that you can be blameless and pure. That's what blocks us when we complain, when we're ungrateful. And our wicked, how wicked our, our witness can be affected by our complaining and not appreciating what God has given to us. And that's so easy to not trust God and want more. And so that's why James then comes on and says to us, wait patiently. He shows us an example of suffering and patience. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. 
You have heard the endurance of Job and how you've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Look at what the Bible is saying here. James first pulls out the prophets. He said there were examples to us of patience, how they suffered. Elijah, who was beaten by wicked Ahab and was mistreated by him. And God answered his prayers of bringing, holding up the reins and gave him the victory over the evil Baal worshipers. Jeremiah, who was seen by his old fellow countrymen as a traitor. He was thrown down the well and he was put there to starve. His fellow countrymen prophets wanted him dead. They came to the king and said, kill him. And yet, he trusted God. He waited for God to bring him what was right. Bring him the victory. The Bible tells us all throughout. Hebrews talks about many others who suffered greatly. And endured great obstacles and pain and suffering. That the Bible says that they died even in the desert in goatskins. Destitute, afflicted, and yet they trusted God's hand in their situation. And God gave them the final victory. You see, the Bible here speaks to us and says, this is how the prophets survived. This is how Job survived. Is by trusting in God. They knew their God. Job knew who God was. His friends came to him. His wife came to him. His wife said to him, Job, curse God and die. Your life is miserable. And Job did not curse God. Job just said, the Lord has given, the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He knew where it all came from, and he trusted God. He spoke as an advocate for God. Joseph all his brothers sold them into slavery and then went through everything and at the end all his prison terms all the accusations that were false all the things that joseph went through and in the end he tells his brothers you didn't have control here god made this all happen and what you meant for evil god meant it for good you may have that person at the job. You may have a person in the family who may be trying to get you. Folks, look what Joseph did. He trusted God. And God gave him the victory. Jeremiah suffered. Anath had a plot to kill him. The high priest Pasher tried to kill him. He could have lamented, and they said that he was the weeping prophet. All that he went through, and he prophesied that there will come a day when Babylon will overrun Israel, and that they came. And the very people he prophesied that would do that were his deliverers, because he was faithful to God in the message and how he was trying to save Israel. Today we hear in our scriptures but the Bible says be patient like those prophets who clung on 
and walked and trusted God even though the journey was rough. There was purpose in their journey and the purpose was from God. And as they trusted him, he gave them the strength to go through it. That's that patient perseverance that he's talking about for us. That we persevere through, through our pressures and through our problems so that we can be established, strong and firm. Not rattled by everything in life, but instead trusting God, leaving it over into his hands. And the Bible gives us Job. Satan said, no. <laughs> Job is going to flounder. He's going to flop when you take all the wealth that you have given him and you pull it out from underneath him. He's going to drop to his knees and curse you, God. The Bible say, Job blessed the Lord. He wasn't rattled. He knew that those things didn't define his life. His relationship with God was the most important thing. And that's all that mattered. And what a wonderful thing we have. Job knew God. You know God. Do you realize that God will not allow anything to happen to that you're not able to bear. He has protection around you so that you can handle what's being given to you and what you're being handed if you but trust him. In the book of Revelations, you see all kinds of craziness going on and, and judgment and things, and yet the Bible says in all of it, the Lord said it. The Lord said, okay, it's now the time. God's in control. And it's the same thing in our lives. And the reason why we have these things, because God has a purpose for our lives to be developed in him. And then the Bible says he is also filled with compassion and mercy. This is what happened with Job. Even though he lost it all, he gained it all back in multiple times amount because of God's mercy and kindness to Job. And the Bible says these things happen to us, to them, as examples for us. So that we can trust God. Abraham Lincoln had just come from the war room at the, at the Department of War. And his son said to him, Dad, what's the news? Any news? He said, yeah, plenty of news, but it's no good news. It's dark. It's dark everywhere. And then Abraham Lincoln sat on the couch, grabbed the Bible in his hand and began to read Job again. In those moments of crisis, he read Job. And after 15 minutes had passed, he stood up, he smiled, the depression had lifted, the dejection that he felt. His trust was in God, and God brought America to victory. Folks, the Bible here speaks to us to put that trust in him and to be patient in those times that we feel our blood pressure boiling or our, our anxiety levels graining, that we come to the Lord, the God of Job, the God of Abraham, the God of Jeremiah, and trust him to make our path. 
at that, James then says, wait faithfully. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or earth, with any other oath. But your yes is to be yes, and your no to be no, so that you may not fall under judgment. James says it adds on here. Above all, don't make, don't make pledges you can't keep. Don't be trying to say things that will get you off the situation and, and make deals to get you out. James is saying don't do that. But trust the Lord. Put it in his hands. How many of you remember the movie that Burt Reynolds was in? Typical example of the way we sometimes try to make a deal with God. You're going to take out his life and he's swimming out and all of a sudden he comes to realize, I don't want to die. And he turns around and he says, God, as he's swimming to the shore, I'll give you everything if you get me out of this. He gets closer, I'll give you 50%. Uh, gets on the shore and is finally saved. He says, well, I'll see about it later on. Sometimes people bargain like that. Happened with Peter. Peter made an oath. Well, I was by that fire with that little girl, and she says, you were with him. Peter said, I swear. I was not with him. He wanted to get the heat off. Ananias and Sapphira made and said to them, we're going to give, just like Barnabas, we're going to give our land. And they were lying. Just wanted to look good. And remember a deal with God. And James says, was you be people of integrity. No matter what is happening, no matter pressure you are on, you faithfully trust me and be patient and wait on my deliverance. Peter did this when he was being about ready to be crucified. He trusted God. He entrusted his wife's life. And was not going to broker a deal like he had in the past. Because he trusted God. And today we come to the word of God. And it says to us, how's your patience? Are you going to trust me when things don't come quickly? Are you going to trust me when it's not going to come in your timing? Are you going to trust me when I say, wait, and not get the answer you want right away or get it at all? Are you going to trust me? This is the theology that we need every day. No matter what I do, no matter what happens to me, I will trust you. And this situation to you and trust you with it no matter the outcome. Let's pray together. Lord, today we come to you with a challenge. We know how hard it is for us to be patient in the little things. No longer too, Lord, in the patient in the big things, the relationships with people, with you not always giving us our way. But Lord, we pray that we can have faith in you.
that no matter what, we trust you implicitly and we live faithfully to what you've called us to do. Thank you, God, for being by our side and being by our hearts to carry us through these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and receive the benediction sing our closing song. And now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit be and abide in you all now and forever. Amen. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Thanks, Larry. Hey, buddy, how you doing? What you been up to? Been playing video games? Pretty much so, huh?